0: Hello and welcome to the Bitcoin and global finance podcast with me, Jason Dean in partnership with Luno wallet and exchange. Today we're going to be looking at why Bitcoin's current price of $18,000. Well, $18,000 and a bit at the moment is very different from the $18,000 that we saw in 2017 and perhaps have a little chat on where we go from here. But before we get stuck into that, I just want to acknowledge Luno's support in helping make this podcast possible. Luno is one of the world's leading cryptocurrency wallets and exchanges, trusted by over 5 million customers in 40 countries. Now, it's no secret if you follow me on Twitter or Medium that I've been recommending Luno for a long time, especially if you're new to the space, as it's a lovely, clear setup an easy and secure way to buy, exchange or hold Bitcoin and some other cryptos in there as well, such as Litecoin, Ripple and Ethereum. Simply go to Luno.com, that's L-U-N-O.com for the details or download the app. In fact, if you do that, you're over 18 and based in UK and Europe, I'm going to give you £10 worth of Bitcoin courtesy of luno absolutely free to get you started on that app and the way i'll be doing that is by giving you a code at the end of this podcast with which you can credit your account instantly but in the meantime, let's have a chat about Bitcoin and try and work out what's going on here in the background. Because in the last few weeks, Bitcoin's price has risen really significantly. And there are people who are making comparisons to 2017 and early 2018 when we had that sort of crazy boom for a brief period when Bitcoin's price almost reached $20,000. And the funny thing is, I found myself thinking about those crazy days in the same way that I now think about all the crazy stuff i did as a teenager and going on lads holidays abroad all that kind of stuff several decades ago in my case now um, and thankfully pre-social media times because i you know i didn't want any of that stuff recorded and i use that comparison because i can't help but think of that line that kind of universal get out of jail free card that you can use when you're a bit older and wiser, when you're looking back on something and you can say look we were young we simply didn't know what we were doing now, if you were there, um, I'm talking about in 2017 or 2018, not those uh, drunken lads holidays I was referring to, you probably know what I mean. It's an analogy that shouldn't work really, but somehow it still does. If we go back to that period, 2017, um, early 2018, we we can see now what was going on because we had this purely speculative buying frenzy which had just started this move on the Bitcoin price. And that in turn attracted other buyers for no other reason really than basically number go up. So who cared about what it did or how it worked or where it was going? No one really um, in in terms of the, the, the grander scheme here. But there were some of us who did, including myself, because some of us really believed that Bitcoin was the way forward and that it was a new universal store of value. It could level the playing field. It could usher in a whole new era of trade and productivity that could be facilitated by this new technology of money. So there was a lot of idealistic ideas there from myself and and some of my colleagues as well. And in my case... I'd even seen this before firsthand because back in the 1990s, I'd been directly involved with the adoption of the internet through my work at Microsoft and development of Internet Explorer, um, which at the time was trying to compete with Netscape. And I could see all the same possibilities here in the case of this new revolution of money as I'd seen then in terms of this new revolution of information. And of course, we're also seeing many of the same objections that we'd seen with the internet. You know, things like it'll never work. No one will ever use it, etc, etc, etc. All of those have now since, of course, been disproved. And possibly because I was clouded by that experience, I do remember thinking as Bitcoin sort of ploughed through all these resistant levels, almost up to that $20,000, you know, is this the moment it goes mainstream? Is it actually happening? Are we actually ready? Now, The point is, it didn't really matter if you were there simply because everyone else was there, or like me, you were there because you believed in this nascent technology and its ability to change the world. We were all caught up in it. Now, we all thought we were on board the unstoppable train that would make the world a better place and make us wealthy at the same time which is a great little bonus and it's a perfect combination that only happens once in a generation where those kind of two things are completely aligned of course in a way you can only appreciate this with hindsight this was completely way off the truth and had no basis in reality whatsoever in fact behind the curtain it was all a right old mess So let's have a look at what was going on and what the difference is between then and now. So let's go right back to December the 16th, 2017. So Bitcoin powered through the $18,000 barrier, and in fact it would only be a few hours from there before it reached its all-time high of $19,000, well and $666 I should say, on December the 17th, the same year. But Behind the glitz and all that whooping of early investors and the really annoying and incessant posting of Lamborghini pictures in every trading chat room, it was clear it was all an illusion. If only we had taken time to look hard and objectively at the data. See, this wasn't based on fundamentals. After all, there were hardly any at this point. This was all based on emotion from retail buyers and one emotion in particular, FOMO, fear of missing out. Now these buyers were almost all retail and almost all amateurs trying to find the next big thing now that Bitcoin itself had topped out. Usually by investing in some dodgy ICO, that's the initial coin offering, for which you first needed Bitcoin. You see, most of these new coins that were offered to the market, you couldn't buy directly. So you would need to go and buy your Bitcoin and then trade your Bitcoin for the coin that you had selected so if you were going to give someone an example of a textbook bubble then this really would be it and even though this was only what three years ago the ecosystem is was really different in those days there were fewer on-ramps there was less regulation and a complete attitude of disdain from institutions such as banks funds and corporations and even if by some bizarre notion an established mainstream institution did want to invest in bitcoin it was next to impossible to do so as there was a complete lack of certified custodial solutions but at the same time and kind of weirdly there was also a lot more general awareness then than there is now because the mainstream media were going mad about it they were covering bitcoin's meteoric rise literally minute by minute So the natural conclusion of all of these sort of events going on and the passage of time that gives us a little bit more sort of clarity and hindsight, it now confirms what we already suspected, that the overwhelming number of people investing in Bitcoin at that point were doing so for purely speculative reasons and were retail customers investing primarily for themselves in fact you can even see this on the blockchain so if you if you go and look at some blockchain data something like um you know bitinfo charts or something like that you can see what the median transaction fees were for any period in history you can go right back in time in fact on this and if you look over the bubble period of december 2017 to january 2018 bitcoin fees rose massively just this giant peak on this otherwise reasonably flat chart. And it gives you a good indication of just how choked that system became. So in fact, around December 23rd, the median fees reached a peak of $34. That's for one Bitcoin transaction. And remember, that's median. So some people paid significantly more than that to move their Bitcoin on chain from one place to another. Or more commonly, move their newly acquired Bitcoin to some minor exchange to convert to the latest ICO darling confirmation times at this point were measured in days rather than minutes if you didn't put the right fees in now you can also see this on the mempool data now remember the mempool is effectively the queuing area for unprocessed bitcoin transactions and again uh, using blockchain data um, i used blockchain.com for this one you can actually see that big peak as well in fact that peak has never been as big before or since because you can see on there again it's a fairly flat chart with a few little bumps up and down but over that period it is absolutely enormous. Now it was no surprise really with a wildly pumping price that people wanted their transactions confirmed quickly so they were willing to pay over the odds to do so. At the same time, we had this exploding media coverage everywhere. And in fact, on December the 7th, 2017, tweets about Bitcoin reached an all-time high. 155,000 were recorded in one day. Again, that data coming from blockchain.com. Now, as a frame of reference, during normal times, Bitcoin runs at about 16,000 a day. Again, this was all to do with this FOMO-driven retail transaction that was happening all over the world. Exchanges, which mostly use off-chain transactions that don't create high volumes of network traffic, were not as widely established then. And most people still bought through systems such as LocalBitcoins.com. But in reality, it was just the sheer volume of end-user activity that overwhelmed the network. And as that price got higher and that green index began to rise, and as is completely usual with overheated markets, people started borrowing heavily to invest, even though, in many cases, most of them had no idea what they were doing. Of course, through all of this, institutional investors stayed away. They had the experience to know that a bubble like this was something you don't get involved with, but they also had a complete indifference to the asset anyway, because Bitcoin, afterwards, is kind of cute little idea that was a fringe experiment in money but you know it was no more than that and of course eventually the price became too high for new money to enter and that inevitable decline began inexperienced traders were wiped out and many became bitter about the whole thing vowing never to return to the cryptocurrency space again you and i probably know a few of those people between us But the bottom line, there was absolutely no fundamental basis for the price to get where it did. It was entirely by speculation from people who, let's be honest, had no business being there and in most cases had no idea what they were doing. And that is a harsh statement, but it is actually also true. So let's fast forward three years and we find ourselves with the same dollar value, but this time a totally different set of circumstances. Now, if you were there in 2017 and you're still here now, you can probably feel that it's very, very different. So if 2017 was an epic Ibiza-style party full of inexperienced kids overdoing it to excess without a thought for any consequence... 2020 is a reserved corporate black tie affair with a six-course meal and a jazz band. And this time, that analogy seems to fit perfectly on pretty much every level, because Bitcoin has grown up. It no longer goes around bragging about how it can make you rich in the same way a used car salesman might convince you that that 1988 Chevy has only had one lady owner. Instead, it talks about insurance, store of value. inflation hedge you know these are the sort of things that your dad might talk about or things my own kids might think i talk about which of course ironically i do but the point is this time those who are looking to secure their own slice of the bitcoin pie are exactly those who would attend such a prestigious event in the first place so that's fund managers ceos influential high net worth individuals and even the odd politician and celebrity So, unlike the kids who came before them, these people know exactly what they are doing. They understand the consequences both of investing in Bitcoin and, perhaps more importantly, not investing in Bitcoin. So they can see where unlimited quantitative easing and unprecedented government intervention will lead. They know a new paradigm is coming. And the other big difference is the attitude to resale. This Bitcoin is not being bought for speculative purposes and actually is quite unlikely to find its way back onto the market at any price anytime soon. Michael Saylor, for instance, who is the CEO of MicroStrategy, the first publicly listed company to convert a substantial part of its cash reserves to Bitcoin, have made it clear it will be a permanent reserve and a way to keep and transfer value, not as he puts it, over a thousand miles but over a thousand years, which I have to say I thought was a brilliant comment. Of course, that Bitcoin may actually be used as leverage or collateral in the future for loans or other acquisitions, but the asset itself seems increasingly likely to stay where it is once it's purchased, thereby reducing supply and liquidity out in the marketplace permanently. So, In a pretty calm and measured way, all of these people and organizations have been collecting as much of this asset as they can. And like before, this is visible on the blockchain data or depending on your point of view, it isn't. Because if you look at the charts using the same scale as we did previously, we're showing that giant peak. You can see that those transaction fees have barely moved. Now, they are very slightly higher, but they are not markedly higher. Transaction times have also remained nominal, which just goes to show this really is a very different type of investment. And there's something else that's very different. This time round, there is almost no mainstream media coverage of the price movement. And not only that, Google searches for Bitcoin-related subjects have not increased by any significant margin. Now, tweets have increased slightly and now average around 45,000 a day, but this is still down by 70% by comparison to last time round. It seems there are almost no retail investors, at least so far, but of course it does remain possible that there will again be a rush of inexperienced retail investors looking to jump on the bandwagon, but it's already clear this is late in coming at the moment. Now, anecdotally, I've already had calls from people I've known for a long time asking if now is a good time to buy. Now, I obviously have to bite my tongue a little bit on this because this is something I've been building the case for and promoting to these people and many other people for some years now, right from the days when Bitcoin was only sort of a 1000 or $1,500. So, there's no point getting upset about it though, it just is what it is. But in the meantime, make no mistake about what is happening here. Because this very simply is the combination of a number of different factors from the dismal macroeconomic backdrop accelerated by coronavirus to the formal recognition of key and influential figures businesses and organizations that bitcoin just works and if that is the case what we're seeing here is likely just the beginning Thanks for listening today. If you've got any comments or questions on this podcast, please message me on Twitter at Jason A. Dean. Or if you'd like to know more on the subjects of Bitcoin and finance in general, then join me on Medium on the new address they've given me, which is Jason A. Dean, with an E dot medium dot com. Now, if you've been waiting patiently for your £10 of Bitcoin, here are the details you need. All you need to do is open your Luno app and type in the code I'm about to give you. Now I should say, if you haven't verified your account yet, you should do that first and it only takes a minute anyway. And You do that by going to Profile, Settings, Verification and it's the usual mugshot and ID that you use on all banking apps these days and it's usually processed within a couple of minutes. Once done, you just go to the section called Rewards at the bottom of the screen, press the Enter a Code button, and type in the following, PDUK12X. That's PAPA Delta Uniform Kilo 1 2 X-Ray. And that's it. That's all you need to do. Your £10 in Bitcoin will be credited instantly. If you're in Europe, it'll be the equivalent of £10, so that's something like €11, I think, at the moment. Now you can use that just to play with the app and explore it, but of course you can buy more Bitcoin easily once you're set up and go from there. Don't forget you can also now earn 4% on your crypto by moving it to the saving wallet built into the app, which is of course about 4% more than you get in the bank right now. Now T's and C's apply on saving and you can check those out when you first transfer over. I'll leave that with you and I'll see you next time on the Bitcoin and Global Finance Podcast.